Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast. And on this week's edition, we will be joined by the ESPN college football and NFL analyst, Robert Griffin III, who may be working at ESPN only a short time because he still is taking calls from NFL teams, spoke to teams this week, and who knows if and when one of those opportunities will materialize, but they certainly could with all the quarterback injuries across the league. Tyrod Taylor is going to miss multiple weeks in Houston, including Thursday night's game against the Carolina Panthers. Andy Dalton is going to be week to week in Chicago. Might be hard for him to play this upcoming week. Ben Roethlisberger is dealing with a pec injury in Pittsburgh. Derek Carr, an ankle injury in Las Vegas. Carson Wentz sprained both ankles. Not one, but both. And that was an injury that generated a lot of reaction because in former players that I've spoken to, they found it hard to imagine that one player could injure both ankles on one play, but that's exactly what happened when Aaron Donald twisted Carson Wentz into a pretzel on Sunday. Wentz hobbled off the field and Jacob Eason had to replace him. Difficult situation. And it also brought me back to week two last year because week two last year, was when the NFL suffered an inordinate amount of injuries to the point where you wonder what was going on. That week, Jimmy Garoppolo, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Raheem Mostert, Cortland Sutton, Sterling Shepard, Nick Bosa, Anthony Barr, Byron Jones, Malik Hooker, all injured. None of them returned to the game that Sunday, week two last year. Many were out for the year. And this past Sunday, week two of the NFL season was almost like a replay of week two last year. Typically, week two and three are a lot more injury prone than week one. Let's hope that this upcoming weekend, week three in the NFL, is a healthier one than week two. We will continue to keep our fingers crossed there. All right. Our guest this week is a new analyst on ESPN, Robert Griffin III. Don't know how long he will wind up working at ESPN. He still harbors hopes of returning to the NFL, is engaged in conversations with teams, but everybody knows RG3, his history, college football player at Baylor, where he won the Heisman Trophy, was selected second overall by Washington in the famed 2012 NFL draft, went on to play in the NFL for the Washington football team, the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, where he finished up last season, and now he's a free agent in the NFL, but working for ESPN and has many thoughts on many different topics. Robert Griffin III. Have I ever interviewed you before? Have we ever spoken like this before? Not like this. You know, we met very early as soon as I got to DC and Mike's office. But aside from that. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that meeting. That was when that was when he brought me into the team to address guys and had to deal with the media, right? Correct. Yeah. No, it was it was even before it was before that. But as soon as I got drafted, um, when I we uh, you know we took the private jet to get to Redskin Park. When I walked in the building, you were in in Mike's office, and he introduced to you to me there, and then you came back and and did the. Uh, yeah, that I, I don't that I that I don't remember. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> I'm trying to think what I would be doing in Washington at that point in time for your arrival, and I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I don't think you were necessarily there for my arrival. I think you were just there to talk to Mike. I don't know wow. what it was, but that was uh, the first time I met 
Shefty. And you were leery of me because you felt like I was close to Mike, right? I, I that came back to me a couple of times. Yeah. Right? Now you're now you're so, connecting the dots. There you go. <laughs> what was so what was that? Like what why would that be? Why why would you be leery of me being close to Mike? Like what what is that about? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean Mike when he the way he introduced me uh to you or introduced us was that uh that day I met you, I'm like, oh wow, cool, Adam Shepard. I didn't know about you and Mike and and uh, how we got started in, in Denver and how you guys had, had known each other for so long. But in that meeting, he told me, he said, hey, if you ever hear anything coming from this this building reported by this guy, you know, it came from me. And then you started reporting things from the building in 2012 and 13 and towards the end of the year. And uh, I knew who that was coming. From. Well, you know, but the funny part about that is there's this perception a lot of times that it's coming from him. Mm -hmm. But I'm being honest with you. That's not the way he ever operated. And in fact, right. I believe, I know this, the reason we got close, if you got him on the phone right now, if we were having dial in, he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos. And there were years where he was trying to reach players for free agency. Right. I remember Derek LaVille being one. And there was a time where I was on the phone with the player and he couldn't get through in that day and age. And he got all worked up about it. And he recognized, you know what? He's better off talking to me because oftentimes I was telling him things that were going on more than he was more. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Not even close. And I, I guarantee you, I would bet my life on it that if you asked him that and he were on the call right now, he would say that exact same thing. Yeah. So I understand what you're talking about in terms of like being leery. Cause that came back to me a couple of times, I guess through various agents or players, whatever it was that you had had during we we've had similar interactions right. and commonalities, right? Yeah, my yeah, my I was gonna say my my only deal was uh, back then when those stories were coming out, I I had heard those I had heard those things from Mike. So when you were reporting, what were the what were the story what were the stories back then uh, that you remember? Because you, uh, I mean, in, in twelve, actually in twelve, there really wasn't anything. We were uh, we were right? winning, you know, we were killing, so everything was great, you know. Uh, the sky was pink and pigs were flying. You know, everything was, was awesome. It was in 13, uh, right around the time when he shut me down for the year uh, and then things were coming out. And then uh, late in the year, just stuff about my character that, you know, I knew wasn't true, but I had heard certain things that were being said from Mike specifically. And then they were being reported on Sundays by, by, by me, you. So by me, why. about you. Okay. Yeah. Like, do you remember what specifically? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad. And by the way, I was not intending to clear the air here. I opened up a can of worms here, but I'm just curious about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, I'm not a, I don't view myself, Robert, as a salacious kind of reporter where I report things about people's character. Maybe right. 10 years ago, maybe that might have happened. I don't remember that being the case, but that's not how I've tried to operate and do my job through 31 years of covering the NFL. You learn that over time. Now, again, maybe there was something that was said that you felt offended or slighted by and for that right now here now i apologize to you over that. hey man I, I i appreciate that so when you are aware of coaches shaping narratives and now you go into the media <laughs> as a college football and a pro football analyst right, right, right how does that shape the way that you do your job now yeah so you know first and foremost for me i still want to play right you still want to uh, play. I still want to play. I think people have asked me that a bunch. Like, oh, man, are you done playing? I'm like, no, I still want to play. 
Um, you know, I'm working out 11, 12 at night, one o'clock in the morning after calling games uh, during the day, because it really, if it means something to you, you find a way and you find the time to get the work in. So, you know, I'm running, throwing, doing all these different things. Uh, wow. because I still want to play. And, and honestly, calling the games is fun because it's something I never thought that I would, would ever get into. Um, and they, and you know how it is. They kind of just like throw you to the wolves, right? They just, 10 minutes before the game, they're teaching me stuff. Hey, here's a telestrator. Hey, here's a talk back button. All right, let's go. We're live on TV. So welcome to television. Exactly. That type of stuff. I was like, Oh wow, this is okay. This is a surprise, but it's fun. But at the same time, I found myself in in my second game. I was calling Houston uh, versus Texas tech in the Texas, uh, the good Sam Texas kickoff. And I'm sitting there and I text my wife and I said, man, I miss football so much. Right. Like to the point where you get a little emotional and it was during a break. And in no, none of my crew, you know, I got Mark Jones and Quint Kessenick and these guys and Ken Butler producer. They're awesome. None of them know because I, I didn't say anything, but I like started to tear up a little bit. And I'm watching these guys going on, throwing the ball, catching it, doing all these different things. And, and, and it makes you miss the game. Uh, but for me, it's a little bit different because I know I'm not retired, retired yet. So I miss the game because I know I can still play and I want to still play. But at the same time, it's fun. And like you said, uh, coaches, players, uh, everyone's trying to get out ahead of stories. PR companies, right? People hire PR, publicists and all that. So whenever I get a bit of information, uh, you just have to understand how to employ that information, right? There we go. No, so there we go. It's not something that you don't want to be used, right? And I know you know this. You've probably broken some stories or, or had some some headlines that have come out that you found out, well, man, OK, that wasn't necessarily all the way true. But what are you supposed to do at that point? Uh, and I think I think the media has gotten a lot better over the years of like going back and saying, OK, this was not true. Let me edit this. Let me clarify this. But as they say in, in the media world and really just in life, once that first story is out there, that's the one that people are going to believe. And I feel like for myself, I, I got burned a little bit with some of that stuff happening early in my career. But I also could have been better. You know, you always hear the guys say, oh, my words got twisted. I didn't mean it that way. But at the same time, you, you can say it better. You know, uh, we always talk about honesty from the players. We want them to be honest and give great answers. But then you, you're honest and you give great answers. And, and it's controversy. Boom, now it's controversy. <laughs> now they're going after you. It's like, oh, what did he say? And I had to learn that as a, as a young player. Even if you didn't mean it that way, everyone hears things differently and everybody has an agenda. So I had to learn that as I was going on. I think I tried to tell you that when I came in to address the Washington football team back in the day. Yeah. Be careful with your words. You shape yeah. the message. Yeah. You don't speak to the media. You speak through the media, there Robert. Exactly. Right? And, and honestly, sometimes players are trying to say things through the media. For example, the most recent, Aaron Rodgers, right? He's been trying to say for years through the media, I want more say. I want more say, right? The dude even went to go to Jeopardy to be the Jeopardy host to, to, to tell them, I want more say. I'm going to retire because I want more say. So some players have used it to their advantage. Obviously, uh, A-Rod, with the way they played the first week, everyone was like on him, on him. Like, he doesn't want to play. He's not motivated. But he comes back out, right? Monday Night Football kills it, and the narrative is gone. So 
it's interesting for sure. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Adam. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. We're in a period here, Robert, where there are a number of teams with quarterback injuries. The Houston Texans have an injury. The Chicago Bears have an injury. The Pittsburgh Steelers, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I'm missing people, but the point is you talk about wanting to play. Have you had contact with teams? Like, it's a strange spot for you to be in where you are doing a television analyst job. Right. But you also want to be ready if and when somebody calls. Has that come close to happening? Yes, it has come close. And, and honestly, throughout the offseason, it was getting closer and closer and closer. Uh, for a guy like myself, um, if I'm not in the building right away, then you're just bringing me in to be QB2 to, to solidify your room, add some knowledge to your quarterback room. Um, so I had to wait till after training camp. And then that happened. And, and the teams that, that were interested are still interested. But, you know, something's got to happen. And, I, and I'm realistic about that. And I understand that. But as you see the year go on and all these guys are, are getting banged up and they're getting injured. For me, it's like a. Uh, my, my faith comes into play because I'll, on one hand, I don't want anybody to get hurt, right? I don't, I don't want to see guys get hurt and then, oh, that's why I got the op. But at the same time, I understand the business of it all. And if a guy goes down, then there's got to be a guy that comes up. And right now, the only really two guys that are out there on the market um, with a ton of playing experience that had success in the league are myself and Cam Newton, all right? So it's, it's like, who are you going to bring in? Right. I don't know. But the teams that uh, that have called this week, uh, I've been excited about that. But at the same time, I do have a job and I enjoy, I enjoy my job. So it's more about what's going to be out there. What is the opportunity for me uh, and, and teams that call know that I'm ready to roll. This is my curiosity as a reporter now, which, again, we're in the middle of the podcast. But <laughs> as a reporter, I want to know this. there are a couple of teams that call you. So what does it take to push it beyond conversation to the point where you have an agreement and you're going in to play for somebody and you're leaving us at ESPN high right, and dry. Right, right. I know for me, it's, um, it, it, I want to play. I'm 31, right? You see Tom Brady, he's what, 74? And he's, and he's <laughs> playing games still, right? So for me, it's, uh, I want to play. 
Uh, ESPN understands that, right? When, when I, when I yeah. signed on, they understood that. But they also understand that this is something that prayerfully I'll be able to do for the next 30 years, right? 30, 40 years since I'm a young guy and, uh, and I want to find success and, and work with these guys. But from the team standpoint, it's um, I don't really care what goes on, right? I don't care if a guy gets hurt or doesn't get hurt. I believe I'm, I believe that I am one of the best quarterbacks in the league when it comes to top 32. Uh, I think Cam said that he's not 32 and there's not 32 guys that are better than him. I would agree with that. I don't think there's 32 guys that are better than Cam, myself, or let alone 64 that are better than Cam and myself. But each team has their, their own prerogatives. They have young guys that they want to work in. And uh, we're looking to, to come in, obviously continue playing the game, but also revitalize our careers. Uh, and sometimes teams can shy away from that uh, early on. But if they have injuries, then they might be more willing to bring you in because they know that you can play. So you're not going to give up on this, even if nothing happens this season, even if it were to extend into the all season, you think that you could be ready for the 2022 season. Correct. And then it's just up to ESPN to decide what they want to do. Right. Um, I'm not going to disclose any contractual terms here, but yeah. uh, it, it just comes down to um, need versus want. Right. Teams have needs. Some teams have wants. Right. So when it comes right. to me with ESPN, it's it's needs and wants and just a matter of uh, of what I'll be doing and how I can climb and continue to build out uh, my experience and, and what I'm used on and, and platforms that I'm available to be on for me. So uh, this is something that I think, you know, I'll just continue to prepare for. I play the game for so long. It's it's not like I couldn't go somewhere this week and be ready to start. You know, what's the hardest part of giving up the game, Robert? Uh, hardest part is when at quarterback, you know, this is different than playing running back, playing wide receiver, linebacker, right? Eventually your body just breaks down at those positions. You see running backs one year run for a thousand next year, they fall off the cliff, right? You see a receiver one year, he's catching everything. The next year he's 33. He falls off the cliff. He's gone. But one for, step, one yeah, step. Or they miss it. They, they miss a step in their, in their stride pattern or, or their speed or their agility. It just happens. But at the quarterback position, you, you haven't seen that, right? You see Tom Brady's playing for a long time. Aaron Rodgers is an older guy. Phillip Rivers played forever. Drew Brees has played forever. And I'm significantly younger than those guys. And I'm also not as accomplished as those guys. So <laughs> there's, there's, a hunger, there's a hunger in me that makes me want to continue to play. And I think that's the hardest part of it all is when you know in your mind that you can still go get it done. And you can go get it done better than some of the other guys that, that are on rosters. That's the tough part. When your body is, is broken down and you're a wideout or a DB or linebacker, offensive lineman, very easy to give up the game then. But I love the game so much. Uh, and I think that's why I've, I've uh, found success uh, early on here in the, in the broadcast and the analyst uh, and commentator roles that I'm, at, that I'm in at ESPN because I love the game of football so much. Yeah. And it sounds like you've drawn motivation from some of these older quarterbacks. But I would also ask you, how much motivation have you drawn from the fact that many of the quarterbacks in your draft class are still thriving? Right. We look out there. The aforementioned Ryan Tannehill is out there. Yep. Russell Wilson's out there. Kirk Cousins is out there. Right. Guys who you were drafted with in the same year are still playing at a high level. Yeah, so for me, it's not necessarily – I think you, you, you phrased that the right way. It's motivation. It's not, um, it's not 
bitterness or jealousy. It's to say, obviously, Russell's been doing it since the beginning, right? We both came in, both had great rookie years. He's been doing it since the beginning. Big fan, right, of the guy, of the player. Uh, Kirk was a guy that, that got countless opportunities and eventually turned that into being one of the highest paid guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, really ever, right? Um, so, guarantees at the and then you, then you talk about Tannehill and his resurgence after he left Miami and was able to go to Tennessee, right? You talk about Nick Foles and how he was on the brink of mm-hmm. retirement. And then he goes out and he's, he's the backup in Philly. Carson Wentz goes down and he goes and helps them win a Super Bowl. So for me, it's, it's, it is more motivation. I'm not extrinsically motivated by, uh, by other guys. I, I'm self-motivated guy. But when I see all these opportunities and guys maximizing, Tyrod Taylor, right, goes out, gets a chance to compete, boom, wins the job. That's, that's what I want to get to. I know this year. I mean, it's the season. You're not competing to be the, the quote unquote starter in the season. So for me, it's about a team has an injury or they want to bring me in. That's awesome. If next year I can get an opportunity to come in and compete and go somewhere, whatever it may be, then I'm on board for that. But I do firmly believe not only in my own ability, but in my wherewithal. And I'm a young 31 because I haven't had an opportunity to really play the game for about five or six years hmm. Um, hmm. extensively. You know, see spot duty in Baltimore, two games against the Steelers, one game we win, one game we lose. So my last my last two starts are one and one, but not really running an offense that was perfectly suited to me, perfectly suited to Lamar Jackson because of what Lamar Jackson does. I'm a different player than Lamar Jackson, and I believe I would thrive in a system similar to the ones that Tannehill and Cousins and, and Russell Wilson have played in. How about Washington? How about going back to Washington? Could that ever happen? Yeah, I mean, it could. Uh, to be honest, you know, I'm sure you saw the tweet that I put out saying make the call when Ryan Fitzpatrick went down. And and Taylor Heineke, don't get me wrong, every opportunity that he's gotten, it seems like he sees those moments. Uh, but for me to go back to Washington, uh, it's one thing for me to be open to it, right? It's one thing for the fans to be open to it. You know, I still hear stories about how the, the stadium is filled uh, with number 10 jerseys. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, that makes you feel good because you feel like you made an impact. But for me to go back, that would have to be something that Coach Ron Rivera um, and, the, and the team would be open to. And I think uh, it, you never say never is what I would say. Would I be open to it? Yeah, I would, I would love to go back uh, and be able to have that come full circle, you know. But am I begging for that or pleading for that? Nah, but if your guy goes down, make the call. As a guy who loves stories, that would be a great story, Robert. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be a great story? I mean, come on, you know, I've always uh, looked at the situation in Washington as just wrong place, wrong time. You know, uh, the injury at the end of the 2012 season and the yeah. playoffs against Seattle, and people will talk about that and say, what if forever, uh, if, I never, yeah. if I never go back? Uh, and, and able to to have some type of resurgence there. But uh, for me, it's just, I always look at this and like I talked with Lamar about this when I was there for three years. The best thing that ever happened to him was that he got drafted by the Baltimore Ravens because they let him be himself. They built the offense around him. You In the, in the last four years, you've never seen Lamar Jackson truly change how he talks to the media, 
the verbiage that he uses, how he dresses, how he wears his hair, all these different things, because they make him who he is. Now, if you take that and apply it to what he does on the field, they've never changed him. They've they've tried to make him better, right? Drop back passing, play action, whatever it may be. But they've never tried to say, okay, let's take a, a, a round peg and put it in a square hole. And I think that was the issue. Uh, that was one of the issues in Washington. Uh, there wasn't complete buy-in. Um, but when you look at a guy like Lamar, you look at um, – uh, you look at Tannehill, Mike, they, they take him from Miami, take him to Tennessee, yeah. complete buy-in from the coach, GM, scouts, everybody. People don't understand how important that structure is for a young quarterback, right? Let Trevor Lawrence throw three picks every week for 17 weeks and let him, let him develop. You know, don't start having divisions in the building saying, oh, we don't, you, you gave up so much for this guy. And for me as a high draft pick uh, in the second, you know, second pick in the draft behind Andrew Luck, uh, it was just astonishing to me that I got one and a half years. One and a half. Not much. Now, don't get me wrong. Josh Rosen got less than that, but he wasn't the second pick in the draft. He also wasn't the guy that they gave up. What was it? Three first round picks, you know? Correct. And and, and, and even got in trouble for that because they felt like it was kind of like a backdoor deal with the, with the Rams at the time. So they got penalized and we couldn't sign anybody in the offseason. We didn't have any money. So I just mm. thought that, man. That is a, that would be a great story, but you know who knows? You never know. See that you just broke two things that just triggered in my mind. Number one, I called Mike. It was like the right before the offseason began. I said, "Do you realize you're losing all this cap space?" He's like, "What are you talking about?" Exactly. I had no idea. He went to Bruce's office, marched down. What the hell's going on here? Adam just called me and told me we just lost millions and millions of cap space. Right, and that was true. The other thing that you just brought up that triggered something in my mind was Andrew Luck. We touched on all those quarterbacks in your draft class. We didn't touch on Andrew. What is your relationship with him yeah. and your assessment of what happened with him, Robert? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. When, when we had the Heisman ceremony in 2011, they give you an option. When I don't, They're not doing it right now because of COVID, but they give you this option. Uh, so we're all standing there, myself, Tyron Matthew, Andrew Luck, Trent Richardson, Monty Ball, and uh, they say, hey, <laughs> Guys, when you when you win, whoever wins, you have an option. You can take one limo and go go out on the city, right? Or you can get limos for everybody in the group and go out in the city together. So, you know, guys are talking like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, you know, everybody keeps their decision to themselves. So, boom, we get to the Heisman. I, I win the Heisman. Andrew's there, congratulates me. And I let him know. I said, hey, we're all, we're all going out. We're all going to go out in the town. And that was my only, my first and last interaction with Andrew in that type of environment, you know, because all of our lives we've been competing, high school, college, pro level, we've been competing. But in that moment, I got to see Tyron Matthew, Trent Richardson, Andrew Luck, uh, and Monty Ball in a completely different light. And we had a lot of fun, you know? So when I, when we talked from that point on, it wasn't a, you know, a relationship to where like we're best buds, but we're always rooting for each other. So when I saw him retire early, because I don't yeah. say prematurely, he retired early. He retired because that's what he wanted to do. OK, and it helps when you when you've made as much money uh, as he has in his life and you can be financially secure uh, and, you know, Luckily enough for me, or I'm blessed enough to also have been financially secure. If I wanted to retire, I could, 
But I looked at it as, and I, and I tweeted about it, you know, good on Andrew. He said, I don't, I don't love the game anymore to the extent that I'm willing to put myself through rehab year after year after year after year. And he didn't have any injuries where they like really wiped him out, but they were those nagging injuries that you, you're constantly in the training room for. So I understood where he was coming from. And I honestly thought as soon as he did it, he would never come back because it takes a lot of, you know, resolve and inner confidence to say, I'm going to step away from the game, even though I can probably play for another 10, 15 years and have to battle through all this all the time. And he said, you know what? It's not worth it to me. And I respect that. And you still don't think he's coming back. I still don't think he's coming back. I don't. I think he made that decision. I think if he wanted to, he could. Oh, yeah, he could. And someone would take him back. But I don't think that he will. Uh, and if he did, and, and I'm in the league, then I won't, say, I won't be able to tell any stories. But if he did and I'm not, I'll, I would love to tell that story too, you know? You know, it's interesting. Somebody said to me this year, they said, if Andrew Luck ever were going to come back, this would have been the year because – it would have been one year out of football to kind of rehabilitate, get yourself right, reset yourself physically, mentally. It would have been one year of missing the sport, and then this would have been the year to come back. And the fact that he didn't come back this year tells people, and we'll see if they're right, like you're saying, like they're saying, that he probably will never come back to play football ever again. Yeah, and what I would say is I think that everybody out there is, is hoping that we're wrong, right? Right. You want to see these guys, but I want to see, you know, honestly, I want to see Colin Kaepernick get an opportunity to play in the league again. Right. If, if that's really what he wants, I would love to see him get that opportunity. I would love to see Cam get another opportunity uh, to go play. These guys that have, that have played at such a high level, um, including myself, right. You're playing at a, you've played and, and you've shown the world that you can do this at a high level. Uh, you, you never root against those guys. So for Andrew, I would love to see him, Go back, but everyone that I have talked to that is close to him, yeah. that there is no way in hell he's coming back. So, yeah. you know, that's up to him. And, and uh, I think it'd be a great 30 30 someday, or, you know, 30 for 30 someday, right? Well, I'd like to see Andrew come back. I'd like to see you come back in Washington. I'd like to see Colin Kaepernick come back. All three of those, mind blowing. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't that be, it, that would be an epic storyline and uh, one for the ages for sure. Now, listen, as you're, taking me through all this and I'm thinking you're 31 years old yeah, and you've won a Heisman yep. and you've gone through what you went through in Washington and you've gone through changing agents and going into TV and having chill. Like you've been through a lot of life for 31 <laughs> years, Robert. Yes. Everything is relative, right? So, you know, people say, Hey, it's not, it's not all about, uh, about what you're going through. There's other people that are going through a lot more, but it's natural. Right. For all of us to to be more concerned about the own issues that we have to deal with every single day, as opposed to everyone else. So when, when I look at it in, in, a, in a vacuum, it's like, man, I have been through a lot in, in just really 31 years. Uh, what, like you said, having children, going through what I went through in Washington, the success, the highs, the lows, going into TV with the success and all these different things. But at the end of the day, there are people out there who have had to deal with way more than I've ever had to deal with in my life. But my experience in the professional realm in a short, what, 11 years, 10 years, 10, 11 years, 
has been enormous, right? I've been way up, way down, in the middle, out of it, back in it. You know, I, I've experienced success at, at, the high, at almost the highest levels. Uh, and then I've experienced failures at almost the lowest levels. So what, what I look at it as, it's allowed me to continue to grow and develop uh, as a human being. Be a better father, right? Be a better husband, be a better uh, brother, be a better son. And um, it's something that I wouldn't change it for the world because the story that I will have to tell after yeah. all of this yeah. is going to be that much greater. Well, listen, there are people that have been through more. I get it. But there are many people who have been through more publicly where that you have had people documenting your life, watching your life, seeing the things unfold in front of us. So people have watched you as this Baylor College Heisman Trophy winning quarterback grow into the number two pick, growing into leaving Washington, going out. Now we see him on TV <laughs> as a football analyst. And he, like There's a lot there and you're only 31. What have you learned? What's the biggest lesson you've learned during those 11 years that you can wow. share with us? That's a, that is a great question. The biggest lesson that I've learned. About life. About life. Yeah, just um, for me, you know, they always say enjoy the moment, right? Enjoy the moments that you're in uh, and cherish those. So, you know, we always talk about uh, athletes and how much money they spend and how they do this and how they do that. Uh, to a certain extent, I've never done that, but I understand why some people live that way. Right. They live like there is no tomorrow because you never know when your number is going to get called. You never know when your time will be up. Um, but for me, through all of it, uh, really, I just lean on my faith and my belief in God that it, it's all happening for a reason. Right. You know, I, I kind of, to be honest with you, fell into this broadcasting and, and analyst thing. It wasn't something that I thought 10 years ago I would do. And it, and it had nothing to do with how much money. I was going to make playing or anything. It's, it just wasn't on my radar, but God had a different plan. And when I was out of the league in 2017, uh, I didn't do anything. I trained, I stayed ready. I got calls from 10, 15 teams, but it never progressed. And I sat on ice for an entire year. And I told myself going into this offseason, I was not going to do that. So I had those auditions with Fox and ESPN, and I wasn't expecting anything from those auditions. I was just going in there to, give it a try and, and give myself more doors to go through. And I'm, and I'm sure you and everyone else saw the reports of, of how I did uh, at the ESPN audition, the Fox audition. And then it became apparent to me that this was a real possibility. Um, so the biggest lesson I've learned over all these years is to never, never regret what you've been through, but always learn, always, always learn from, from your mistakes and the things that, that happened to you. We always, everybody feels like, oh man, this thing happened to me and I didn't do anything to deserve that. But if you can find the lesson in what happened, it can make you a better person instead of a bitter person. Right. You don't want to be a bitter person. It can make you a better person. And uh, no matter how good everyone thinks they are, you can always get better. Right. No matter what it is. Well said. So the question that I think a lot of people always ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. right. Like they're always asking. You, I've had people throughout the course of my career. When I was working in newspapers, what do you want to do next? I'm at NFL Network. What do you want to do next? What do you want to do next? What do you want to do next? Yeah. Like, you have all this in front. I know you would want to play short yep. term. So I guess that that may be the answer is that you want to be a quarterback for the next decade or so. But beyond that, even. Yeah. What else would interest you? Would it be being a broadcaster? Would it be 
being something else. You tell me, what, how do you envision the future unfolding if if this call doesn't come in, that you don't get another chance, yeah. which it would be nice if you did. Yeah, it would be awesome if I get that call. And outside of playing, I think, you know, my current desires, my current desires are to be the best at what I'm doing right now. So whatever wanna, it is, I want to play. So I'm doing everything I can, watching the tape, working out, throwing, working on the things in my game that, that I know I need to work on, uh, on my own and with my coaches because I want to play. But right now, what is my job right now is to be the best broadcaster, the best analyst that I can be. So I'm working my tail off to be the best at that, right? Knowing the teams, knowing the players, knowing the coaches, knowing the stories and bringing excitement to the game. But ultimately, if I, you know, if I can always keep it hundred and be 100% honest, what do I want to do? I really just want to be able to, to build up, um, the notoriety to where I can just travel the world and go help people. That's what I want to do. Hmm. I talked to my wife about this, like, wouldn't it be just awesome to be able to travel the world every year and, and go to go to Africa and go to these other countries, go to India, right. And be able to help people where they're at. You know, we, we, we talk about these things where people can give money to the Red Cross and they give money to the food bank and they can do all these. And I've done that stuff. Right. Because you want to give back to where you came from. But ultimately, I'd like to go and be able to help people where they're at. Because that money I'm giving to the Red Cross, that's not going to India. That's not going to Africa. I don't know where it's going. And, and mm -hmm. I'm not knocking that because they do great things. But to be able to travel the world and, and build up enough connections and relationships to, to go and be the boots on the ground and help people in a, in a really, really impactful way. Is something that I would absolutely love to do for a living. You know, that's hard. It's hard to be able to do something like that. But that's where my heart is, because I feel like that's where you can make the most impact. Right now, I can make an impact uh, calling games. I can make an impact playing games because you inspire people. Right. Mm -hmm. You're inspiring and you can tell the stories and you can honestly shape the moral compass of fans uh, over the course of time. But I really just want to help people. Where, where does that spirit come from? Where did you learn to want to help people like that, Robert? Yeah, I mean, I would say it comes from my, my upbringing. And, and I know my parents are both from New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, born and raised there. My dad lived in the projects. My mom wasn't well-to-do. And, and they always told me uh, growing up to give my children and my family more than what, I, more than what they had, right? And I've accomplished that. But I also want to instill that into my children and into our fabric of go out and give to people because people need help. You know, it's it, it's tough. It's a tough way to describe uh, where your mind is at and where you got that from. But it's not a facade. It's not a it's not something that you just say because it sounds good. It's something that I actually want to do. And I'm taking the steps to be able to get there. But right now I have to be the best at what I'm being right now so that I can go off and, and maybe do that in the future. Well, I want to thank you very much for the time today. I, this conversation went in directions that I was not expecting it to go, which often happens because you had, well, what are we going to talk about? Well, we'll talk about you. We'll talk about TV. And we wound up talking about some of your past and our unintended interactions. Right. And I appreciate your honesty and thoughts there. And I wish you the best of luck with a potential comeback. We'll be very curious to see if that opportunity comes. And helping the world and feeding the world. And hey, listen, 
I'm glad we could connect and I'm hoping that it won't be the last time. And uh, I said it to you probably back in the day in Washington, but maybe it takes on different meaning. Now you have my number. You can <laughs> call me anytime, anything you want, Robert. And if I can help you in any way, I would be honored to be able to do that. Hey man, I, I really do appreciate that. And, and just have to say uh, before we get off that um, everybody that I've worked with thus far at ESPN uh, from the game day crew, Lindsey Lloyd, uh, Kim Belton, the producer that I work with, Mark Jones, Quint Kessinick, who we call the games together with, uh, has been top notch. And I couldn't have asked for a better introduction into this area. Uh, you know, Lee Fitting and Steve Ackles and all those guys have been um, people who have stayed in contact with me and, and helped me through the recruiting process. Patrick Donaher was a big reason that I, that I came on board. So uh, I just want to say to them, thank you, because – you, you know, you hear stuff, right? You hear stuff and, and you don't know what to expect, uh, but it's been top notch for me and it's, and it's been a blast, to be honest with you. Um, so I just wanted to say that and, and thank you for, for having me on, for sure. Oh, and people don't realize how many people it takes to get all these productions ready at ESPN. Like I have my great producer, Christina Buswell. She's helping today. I was at the Monday night game last night in Green Bay. And there are an army of people behind the scenes. They're just not out in front, right? But there are all these people that have their own jobs that make all this possible, that make it happen. And it's just, it's an amazing collection of people. And there's so many people who don't show up on the TV screen, whose jobs are incredibly important and appreciated. And it's kind of cool that you cited them as well. So that's very nice, you, RG3. I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. And like you're saying, it's... There's so many people, like even with us on the games, when we call the games, there's so many people in the trucks, right? The camera guys. Right. I have to right. this camera meeting before every game, and I kind of get to honestly call it like a little team meeting, right? I get to break down yeah. both teams to the camera guys so they can like know, okay, what other little nuggets can I get to pay attention to, to during the game? And it's pretty fun, but you grow to almost be like a team, to almost be like a fan. It is a team. It is a and, team. It's the and, same kind of thing. And it's, uh, I, I tell you, it wasn't what I was expecting. But uh, I've definitely uh, ex- loved the experience, and, and those guys have been phenomenal. And I try to go around and give them all a fist bump and talk to them uh, after every game, before the games, because the, the better we're all, you know, working together and vibing together, the better it all comes. Yeah. You know, it's like I tell the coaches that come to work with us. You get the experience of being on a team, the fun of being around the sport, but you're not going to be waking up on Sunday morning at two, three in the morning and wondering what the hell did I do? And how do we lose <laughs> that game? And how do we bounce back? There's not the highs that right. you get and there's not the lows. It's a more even keeled existence right. that we're all living. Yep. And I'm glad that you could be a part of it. Hopefully you'll stay a part of this team and not go to another team for a while. Although I wish you what you wish for yourself. <laughs> hey, my wife with, uh, with all the, the hits and, and getting landed on by 300 pounders and obviously the real and true scares of CTE. She's very happy that uh, that I'm in this role now. She obviously knows what my desires are and what I want to do uh, and continue to play, and she's all for that as well. But my family is definitely A-OK with me being away from the field and with such a great team at ESPN. Robert, awesome. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Look forward to doing it again. We will be in touch. All right, my guy. And there is Robert Griffin III. And as I mentioned to him at the outset of the podcast, I didn't remember too many lengthy conversations that we had had. And I knew that he had had some issues with me in the way that I reported about him. 
But it was fun and interesting to challenge him to say what it was because I never felt like I was unfair to the guy. But I always felt like there was that perception. We never had spoken about it. So this was fantastic to be able to sit down with a very thoughtful, intelligent, articulate guy and get his thoughts on (laughs) perceptions of the media, how he felt about certain reporters like myself, what he's doing in life, what he wants to do in life. And boy, he still wants to play quarterback. That's not going away anytime soon. He is not giving up on that. And it would not be a shock if he were given another chance because it certainly sounds like it's really important to him. And let's hope that he does get another chance. Everybody deserves another chance if they want something that badly. All right. How about this? In the headlines this week, we're going to get in-season hard knocks. Indianapolis Colts. That's going to be fascinating to watch. This summer's hard knocks, not as good as others, I felt. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just that the novelty part of it wore off. Maybe it didn't seem as original, but in season, that's going to be something. Really look forward to seeing, really look forward to seeing that on HBO and really look forward to Monday Night Football this week in Dallas. We've got the Eagles playing at the Dallas Cowboys. We'll be there for Monday Night Countdown. And the only thing I can say is I hope that the travel experience to Dallas this weekend goes better than the travel experience to Green Bay. And I don't mean to go Ed Werder, the ESPN reporter who constantly is complaining about American Airlines here and complain about my travels. I know that I will have colleagues now getting on me, but this was incredible. I left New York Sunday at 4 p.m. and didn't walk into my hotel room in Green Bay until Monday morning at about 8 a.m. Now, how could that be? Well, we sat on the plane at LaGuardia Airport on Sunday afternoon for a few hours. Plane pushed back, made us the plane. Crew hadn't arrived. Get off the plane. Crew finally arrives. Crew gets on and announces that the people that were taking them to the airport took them to Newark Airport, not LaGuardia. And so they missed the flight leaving on time, which meant that when we were flying to Chicago to catch the connection to Green Bay, well, that was delayed and then eventually canceled. So when I landed in Chicago at about 11 o'clock on Sunday night, there was no more flight to Green Bay. It was a four, four and a half hour ride. Didn't feel like I could drive since I had been up most of the night getting ready for Sunday NFL countdown. So went to go sleep in an airport hotel till about five in the morning, walked to the terminal. Plane was a little delayed on Monday morning. Finally flew into Green Bay, walked into my hotel room, felt like I had taken two straight red eyes. Just awful. One of the worst travel experiences I've ever had. Not going to name any airlines, not going to embarrass them. But my understanding is that this is going on across the country, that there are airlines that are short staffed, undermanned, don't know how to deal with this baggage, lost all sorts of issues. And we encountered them this week. We encountered them the week before. No Wi-Fi, no TVs on the flight out to Las Vegas. Let's hope, let's hope that the trip to Dallas this weekend goes better than the one to Green Bay this past weekend. All right. I want to thank Robert Griffin III for joining us today and sharing some of his past while looking ahead to his future. I want to thank, as I mentioned to Robert during the podcast, my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting this all together. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Before we sign off on today's episode, let me quickly tell you that Organized Chaos is ESPN's newest podcast hosted by former NFL coach Rex Ryan and his former Jets and Ravens linebacker, Bart Scott. The duo will be reunited in this weekly podcast with new episodes every Monday that will provide listeners with expert insight and analysis on everything happening around the league, featuring trending stories from on and off the field. That's Organized Chaos 
Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, the Peabody and Emmy award-winning 30 for 30 film series presents Once Upon a Time in Queens, a four-part documentary event about the city, the swagger, and the wild ride of the 1986 Mets. This documentary explores the epic tale of one of baseball's most dominant and iconoclastic teams and their legendary World Series comeback. Hear from former Mets players and fans, including Daryl Strawberry, Keith Hernandez, Bill Burr, Cindy Lauper, and more. All four parts of Once Upon a Time in Queens are now available to stream on ESPN Plus and the ESPN app now. Please join us again next week as we begin to look forward to what I would say is the most anticipated regular season game in history. Think about that. The most anticipated regular season game in history. New England hosting Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers one week from Sunday night in week four should be unbelievable. And until then, next week, everybody, have a great week. Be well and stay safe. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.